Amen. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we do stand on you. Uh, Lord, this world offers us really nothing. All good things come from you, and we thank you for it. Everything else that seems so good uh, really is sinking sand that will devour us in the end. So fix our eyes, Lord Jesus, on you. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. Help us, Lord Jesus, to know that you are the one who has provided all things in your life, in your death, and in your resurrection for us. And today as we look at this passage of scripture from Mark chapter 13, remind us that we are living in the end times, but help us, Lord Jesus, to stand firm and faithful in the grace that you've given to us. So give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear and hearts to receive from your word today. Amen. You may be seated. Our gospel lesson today is from the 13th chapter of St. Mark, beginning with the first verse. And as he, that is, Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign when these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. And they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand, What you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will arise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The Gospel of our Lord. We are living in the end times. We are living in the end of the ages. The big sign, the big sign that kicked off the end of the age happened in Jerusalem in the year 70 AD. Who here knows what happened in Jerusalem in 70 AD? In 70 AD, the Romans finally breached the walls of Jerusalem with a horrifying number of healthy, well-fed, fierce-fighting 
Roman soldiers. In the many months before the Romans breached Jerusalem's walls, they laid siege to the city of God. The siege of Jerusalem was horrific. The storehouses of grain were burned. Starvation took the lives of many within the walls of Jerusalem. Those who tried to escape starvation behind the walls of Jerusalem were considered traitors by the Jewish, Jewish zealots, and they were executed. Many who managed to escape the walls of Jerusalem were captured by Romans. They were disemboweled to ensure that gold and jewels had not been swallowed. Many other Jews were crucified. It is said that the area surrounding Jerusalem was deforested for the construction of crosses upon which countless Jews were hung by the Romans as a means of creating terror. In 70 AD, the Romans managed to breach the walls of Jerusalem and they destroyed the temple. And not one stone was left on top of the other. Forty years before the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple, Jesus Christ was there with his disciples. And the disciples looked at the temple and they thought that, that it was magnificent, that it was incredible, and it really was an incredible sight if we could have gone back in time to see that. But look at what Jesus said in Mark 13, 1 through 2. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones, what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. The prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ was fulfilled. The destruction of Jerusalem and of the temple in 70 AD was one of the big signs that proclaims that we are living in the end of the ages. There was another sign, a greater sign, that pointed to the fact that we are living in the end times. And this event actually came before the destruction of the temple. What event really kicked off the end times era that we're living in now? The big event that kicked off the end times era that we're living in now was the first advent of Jesus Christ. The coming of Jesus, our Messiah. That's what kicked off the end times age. The end times was inaugurated by the coming of Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem's manger. And the culmination of the end times era will be completed at the glorious return of Jesus Christ at the second advent. But what about for us here today? What about you and I? living today in these end times. How are we to live? And now as believers in Jesus Christ, we are an end times community. We are an end times community. We are gathered around the word and the sacraments. We are being transformed by his grace 
And as an end times community, we are going in the power of the Holy Spirit as evangelistic witnesses to the ends of the earth. This is who we are, an end times community, gathering, being transformed, and going with the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. The Lutheran Study Bible notes on Mark 13, 3 through 13 says this, Jesus warns his disciples about the coming troubles they will face as they bring the gospel into the world. He encourages them to trust God and to rely on the Holy Spirit, especially when they faced opposition and persecution. Nobody likes to be shown his or her sin. As Christians proclaim law and gospel, they need to be ready to endure the loss of everything, including their lives. Because God wants all people to hear the gospel. He prolongs this New Testament age so that the church may witness to all the earth. And to him alone, we owe the survival of our personal faith as well. So we are an end times community gathered around word and sacrament, being transformed by his grace so that we can go in the power of the Holy Spirit to tell people that there is hope. There is hope in Jesus Christ. We're living in the end times. Jesus could come at any moment. One of my seminary professors, Tim Istabo, said the, the limousine has pulled up to the curb. The limousine has pulled up to the curb and Christ is ready to step out at any moment. No one knows the day or the hour, but we know it is soon. It is coming. So how should we live knowing that this is the very end of the age. I have a number of different points for you. Number one, we should live with an expectation of trouble. We should live with an expectation of trouble. A number of different things are mentioned in our gospel lesson today. Troubles, heresy, false doctrines, those who no longer um, follow God's word, Apostasy, those who wander from the faith, those who leave the Christian community. So we have heresy, we have apostasy, wars, earthquakes, famines, persecution, betrayal. All of these things are mentioned in Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. We should live with an expectation of trouble in this life. We are living in the end times. So heresy, false teachings and interpretations of the scripture. We're living in an age of strange teachings. Strange teachings which are creeping into the church. The authority of, of the Bible is no longer upheld. Theologians are 
attempting to undermine the Word of God. We could actually spend hours and hours talking about false teachings creeping into the church. False teachings are dangerous, a major problem. False teaching destroys the church from the inside out. It's like a cancer that creeps in and destroys and kills. Jesus said, see that no one leads you astray. See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. So we should expect trouble, trouble from within, heresy. The apostle Paul wrote to Timothy saying this, 2 Timothy chapter 4. He says, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Along with heresy is apostasy. Many are sucked in. Many embrace false teachings and thus uh, the scriptures say that they make shipwreck of their faith. The Bible tells us that the age that we're living in is dangerous. It's not just dangerous to us physically, but it's also dangerous to us spiritually. It's dangerous to our souls. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 through 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful what? De deceitful spirits. And teachings of who? Teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. Heresy. Apostasy. In this age, we should expect trouble. Heresy, apostasy, wars, earthquakes, famines, persecution, and betrayal. Expect trouble. Don't believe for a second that your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ is going to be easy. Don't fall into the trap of romanticizing the mission of the church as if it's something easy. As if everyone is going to accept our message. As if everyone is going to embrace what we do in faithfulness to Jesus Christ. In this age, we expect trouble. As soon as a church steps out into the mission field in outreach and evangelism, the church will face, will face assaults. We will be assaulted. Not only will the assaults come from out there, the assaults will also come from those closest to us those dearest to us. Even our own families will persecute us. Mark chapter 13, verses 12 through 13. 
and brother will deliver brother over to death. And the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Did you know that discipleship requires everything, even our lives, to be a believer, to be a follower, to be a disciple of Jesus Christ requires everything. And John Wesley, in his well-known covenant prayer, understands this. He gets it. And he prays this, and it is my prayer that you too would have this desire as a disciple of Jesus Christ in your life. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to what? Suffering. Let me be employed to you or laid aside for you exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. How often have you prayed that way? How often have you prayed that way? There's a similar prayer. Jesus taught us to pray it. Thy will be done. What does that really mean? What are the implications of that for our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ? If we have this attitude towards our lives as disciples in this end times work, we'll know that we're going to have trouble. We're going to expect trouble. Heresy. All sorts of bad things happening all around us. Turn on the TV. How many of you are shocked by what you see? Maybe actually the problem is we're not shocked anymore. Because things are... So terrible, and this happens every day. But when these things happen, when these terrible things happen to us, we will, number two, we will live without alarm. We will live without alarm. Because we are living, understanding, uh, and expecting trouble. So therefore, we're going to live without alarm. And this comes from verse 7. So we should not be alarmed when we suffer for the sake of the gospel. We should not be alarmed when we see many signs of the end times taking place around us. We should not be alarmed by all of the terrible things flashing before us on the evening news. Do not be alarmed, brothers and sisters in Christ. We're living in the end times. We know that these things must take place before the glorious return of Jesus Christ. So we do not live 
without alarm. We live without alarm. And then number two, we live on guard, on guard. How do we remain on guard? I believe we remain on guard by means of word and prayer. So first of all, we, we, we have this expectation that things are going to be bad. Uh, secondly, we're not alarmed. And then third, we are on guard. We're on guard. And we stay on guard by word and prayer. We remain on guard by remaining connected to Jesus Christ. We remain in him. Knowing that he is in control of all things. Knowing that, that, that he is the Lord of all. And that nothing happens outside of his, his plan and purpose. Remember, don't forget it. We're an end times community gathered around word and sacraments, being transformed by his grace, and then going in the power of the Spirit as an evangelistic witness to the ends of the earth. To be on guard is to remain in the community, to remain in the word, and to be transformed by his grace through his word. But regardless of what happens to us in this life, whether it's good or evil, we will live in such a way that we proclaim the gospel. We know things are going to be bad for the church. We're not going to be alarmed. We'll remain on guard and we will continue, we will continue to go proclaiming the gospel. The only hope this broken world has is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So live, live in these last days with gospel assurance. Live in these last days knowing that the gospel is true and the gospel works and the gospel will never fail you. And so many live without assurance. They do not have that solid rock. They don't have that hope that we have built our life upon. You have assurance. You have assurance that the gospel is real. You have assurance that the gospel works. And that's what upholds you in this life. This is what gives you the strength that you need day by day. And that's why you have a sense of hope. That's why you do not lose heart. And I'm not saying that, that you're not going to experience really bad emotions and, and that you're going to come to the point of despair. That is all a part of life here. But, but in the end, we, we fall back on the promise of who Jesus Christ is. And there we stand in the end. So many live without that. They have nothing to fall back on. When everything falls apart around them, where, where do they go? Where do they turn? What do they do? Where do they land? 
It's not that, 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 we, that we do not experience difficulty as Christians, but, it, but it's that we have this solid foundation upon which we have built our lives. You have the assurance of the gospel. That's why you have a sense of hope. And that, my friends, is why you have a desire to share it with other people. Because you have found this hope in Jesus. And you have found that the gospel is true and the gospel really is real. It works. And you want to bring that message to other people. It's interesting about inviting people to church because there are many people out there who have not received an invitation to church. You know the gospel works, but are you inviting people to come? From Christianity Today, more than nine out of 10 of the unchurched said that they would come to church if they were invited. These are statistics that prove that, that nine out of 10 people would come to church if they were invited. This, this shows me that the people in this world understand that they need something. They need something more than what they have in this life. But sadly, only 2% of church members invited an unchurched person to church. Perhaps the evangelistic apathy so evident in many of our churches can be explained by a simple laziness on the part of church members in inviting others to church. We're living in a world without hope. Are you inviting people to come? Are you inviting them? Nine out of ten would come according to the research that was done by Christianity Today. You see, when the gospel lays hold of a person, when the gospel lays hold of a person's being, that person is transformed to go in the power of the Holy Spirit to tell others the good news. And think of the early church. Just think of the early church. What did they face in the early days of Christianity? What did they face? What did they go through? What did they suffer? Yet they never gave up. They continued to share. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but there isn't much good news when it comes to the end times for the unbeliever. For the unbeliever, there's not much good news. Did you know that everyone actually has an end times view? Theologically, we would say everybody has an eschatology. Everyone does. Um, atheists actually have a theology of the end times. Those who do not believe in Jesus Christ. Uh, atheists believe in, in, in uh, this inevitable extinction event. They believe that the earth will eventually be enveloped by the sun and uh, life will cease to exist here. The end times theology of those without Christ is very bleak. No hope, no hope. They look forward to an extinction event. What do we look forward to? We look forward to the glorious return of Jesus Christ, the salvation of our souls. You have hope. Yet this world, this world will be judged. When Christ comes again, judgment will come to the sinful world, but we who hope in Christ 
will be rescued from the judgment that will inevitably overtake this planet. Today, as believers in Christ, we are an end times community. We are gathered around the word and the sacraments, being transformed by his grace, going in the power of the Holy Spirit as his witnesses. And then last, don't forget that you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit. He is the one whose grace gives us strength by his word and sacraments. How are we sustained through the turmoil of this present evil age? How are we kept? We're kept by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We're kept by him. We're kept by him. And how does he keep us? He keeps us through his means of grace. As a going community with great hope in this terrible world, we go as witnesses, having Christ. We go with great hope. We do not neglect meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but we join together to receive from him grace and mercy so that we can be empowered to go with the good news of the gospel. So we go empowered by the Holy Spirit through the gospel. If we fail to remain connected to word and sacraments, the Holy Spirit will not do the work that he has promised to do through these means of grace. Some have followed after false teachers who have fallen victim to the philosophies of this age. Some have wandered from the faith. They have not remained in the community that gathers around word and sacraments. But the ministry of the church, where we gather together, is a lifeline through which the Holy Spirit nourishes us continually. Today, we cast that lifeline out to you. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is being cast out to you today. It is being cast out to you today. It's actually being uh, cast out to you today in, in a very powerful and ordinary way. The Holy Spirit is going to do a ministry in your life this morning in a very ordinary way. How is he going to do this ministry in your life today? Well, today we are a community gathered around word and what? Sacraments. Today the Holy Spirit comes to you by means of his word and bread and wine. We invite all baptized believers who hunger for the grace of Jesus to receive the bread, to receive the wine, to hear the promise connected to these things, and to believe the promise, the promise that you are loved, the promise that you are forgiven, the promise that Christ is coming, to get, coming again,
And as I prepare the elements, hear the words of God spoken. Believe the words. And by ordinary eating and drinking, consume the promise. Consume the promise that you hear. Life is difficult. Life is hard. We expect it. We're not alarmed. We stay on guard. We continue to proclaim the gospel. We do not give up. And as we gather here today, the Holy Spirit casts a lifeline to us. And we receive. So today, be strengthened in your faith through the sacrament. Be assured of your forgiveness through this sacrament. Be empowered to proclaim through this sacrament. Today, you, believers, disciples of Jesus Christ, you are an end-time community. But we are an end-time community with hope because we gather around word and sacraments. We are being transformed by his grace and we are going in the power of the Holy Spirit as an evangelistic witness. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, today we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of it. We thank you for the great hope that it fills us with. And I do pray, Heavenly Father, that now, in the quietness of this moment, that you would do this work within our hearts, that you would do the good work of reminding us, Heavenly Father, of the great promises that you give to us. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that your body was broken for us. We thank you that your blood was shed for us. We thank you that it is through this gift of the sacrifice of your body and blood that we are being transformed. So Lord Jesus, we pause we take a moment of silence to reflect upon our lives, to do business with you, to confess to you, to examine ourselves. So take a moment and talk to God. Let us sing together, number 532, Be Thou My Vision. <clears throat> 